Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by Engage for Good and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com and selfishgiving.com. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another exciting episode of Cause Talk Radio. On the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. Megan, this is the show I've been waiting for all year. Literally. And it's not fair that it's January, because I've been waiting for it so much longer than that. Since last year. Since last year. I mean, and we have an exciting guest today. Her name is Jennifer Lindenauer, and she is the Chief Marketing Officer at Good Media Group, and she's here to talk to us about the merger last year between Upworthy, which you know, the video site and viral news organization, and the consulting company, Good Worldwide. Hey, Jen, thanks for joining us at the show. Hey, Joe, I'm real happy to be here. You like that marketing officer. Yeah. Hey, Megan, I want to say hi to you, too. Thanks, Jen. Oh, there's a third person on this call? (laughs) No, Jen, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we've been looking forward to this, too, because, you know, as cause marketing dorks, news last year that your two organizations had merged is like big news for us. It is. Yeah, it's like dorky news. Like, you know, that's like when you're running around the office and stuff like that. Like, wow, good. And Upworthy, they merged and stuff like that. So can you tell us? Well, first of all, could you begin by telling us a little bit about good and a little bit about Upworthy? And what brought about the merger between your two great organizations? Happy to. And it was big news for us, too. So I'm glad mm. you could share in the joy. Yay. Yay. Um, so Upworthy, you might know, is a media company. Uh, we tell stories about important subjects in a way that uh, go viral on social media Ch- to change what the world is paying attention to. Good is a, also um, is a company that has both a media side as well as a consultancy that also talks about important issues and also helps companies be good public actors. The two companies came together because we realized a couple of really important things were happening out in the world. One is we have the same mission. Hmm. We have the same value and values and belief in both storytelling, the importance of storytelling and the importance of business in, in the economy and in doing good. And we were competing with each other. And we thought, that's kind of crazy. And also, we were watching the tides turn towards this greater level of um, impact and value and, and important um, contributions that business was making, in large part because consumers were demanding it. And so when we stepped back and we saw all of those things sort of come together, we recognized that there was a real opportunity to partner. The other reason really is, um, as you said in your intro, Upworthy is a media company that reaches millions and millions and millions of people. And um, Good has this great consultancy. And if we combined, we could really be a full service agency that can work with brands and nonprofits and foundations to do everything from coming up with your business strategy that involves social good, that understands how you can be a social impact company to telling your story, to doing research about your work, and um, and sharing it with the millions of people around the world who, who care. 
So it made sense both from a mission perspective as well as from a from a numbers and business perspective. That's interesting. I didn't think about the research piece. Are you able to leverage the Upworthy community to do research about social impact issues? Uh, absolutely. We have on staff a PhD. He's a social scientist that originally came to Upworthy actually because he was doing a bunch of research around um, uh, Eli's work on the filter bubble. Eli Pariser is the, one of the co-founders of Upworthy. And so he's been with Upworthy from the beginning and he's developed amazing research that we can use for all of our clients, whether they originate from the good relationships or from the Upworthy relationships. Interesting. Yeah. And you know what I think is interesting too, Jen, and we're seeing this more and more too, is companies like Good are interested in partnering with media outlets because then that provides them with a platform. So they're doing yep. this great job telling these stories. And then if it's appropriate, they have a place to do like branded content. Is that true? It is true. Although Good also is a media company. Originally, Good launched as a magazine. That's right. Um, and they had a magazine for a long time. And there is also a website called good.is. And is that still happening? I mean, is there, they're still, you're keeping content platforms separate or have they merged in some way? They're separate. Um, the reason is, is because the stories that we tell on each are a little bit different. Uh, right. The stories about on Upworthy are much more about sort of call it the best of humanity, stories of hope and yep. inspiration. Um, and the stories on good are a little bit more about solutions. Mm examples of how um, we're moving forward in society of progress and real important subjects, um, but more from a systems and solutions perspective. I feel when I read good, it's a little bit more wonky. You and I would read good. Yeah. I mean, not that we wouldn't read Upworthy, but as practitioners and people that watch this space, does is it more practitioner focused, Jen? Yeah, I think that's Upworthy? a fair, yeah, I think that's a fair um, distinction. In part, when um, when good was launched, the idea was to make it cool to be good again. And so it really mm -hmm. was designed to be uh, information and stories for creators and entrepreneurs and people in the social impact space, whereas Upworthy really was meant to reach people who weren't um, as engaged on social issues and to get them mm -hmm. to care about important mm -hmm. issues. So it was really targeted from the very beginning at slightly different audiences. And that remains true today. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I mean, I really admire Upworthy. I admire both publications, by the way. Uh, but I really read Upworthy every day because I enjoy how they craft their headlines, how they tell their stories. And, you know, I tell so many of my clients too, Jen, like, you know, they talk about which things we should be reading and stuff like that. And they talk about reading BuzzFeed. And I was like, don't read BuzzFeed, read Upworthy. That's right up your alley in terms of like how to tell a, po a powerful story. Like, look at just even the way Upworthy craft crafts its headlines in terms of how it tells a story. Think about all the visuals that it puts in, the headlines, the bullets, the bolds, all these different things that make their stories really distinctive. Uh, can I give you a job? If, you wanna, <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a new job, that's, just let me know. That's Joe's aspiration. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. Because when we're thinking about telling stories about healthcare or climate change or inequality, we have to get creative. Otherwise, who's going to read them or who's going to watch them? And so we do really work hard at how we craft a headline, how we use visuals, and how we tell the stories about these subjects so that they are engaging and 
it leaves people with hope and optimism as opposed to what all too often happens when it comes to subjects like this, where it just feels sort of depressing and daunting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I too, I love too, uh, Megan and Jen, like um, I had seen an article at one point talking about how Upworthy kind of crafts us things. And one of the things I always emphasize is, look, it doesn't happen easily for them either. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes expertise to write these things. And I love your 25 headline solution, like write down 25 headlines. You know what I mean? Like, think about that, like how much time that takes. And, and you know, too, Jen, in terms of talking to people about content, the headline is so important. And I do that with my own email newsletter every week. I think to myself, like, I write out multiple headlines and really try to think, like, how would Upworthy do something like this? Wow, I'm definitely going to continue to um, take the praise. It's awesome. We appreciate See, I'm it. I'm a fanboy. I'm a fanboy, Jen. I'm he just not a, a casual reader. Yeah, uh, I love that, let's just say. Uh, when Upworthy started, I think that was something that they did amazingly well. It was before my time at Upworthy, but they recognize there's a lot of great stories and content out on the internet, but people weren't finding them. And if they found them, they weren't engaging with them. And it's because the headline plays a huge role in that. And so they spent a lot of time early on really understanding how to crack the headline problem and then use that to collect data about what works and what doesn't. How do you get people to engage? How do you get people to click? How do you get them to stay? Because we never, Upworthy has never made money or or dependent on clicks. It's always been about engagement. If you're trying to change someone's mind and they click on a story because it's got a good headline and then they turn off because the story doesn't deliver, we, we're not achieving our goal. So we've always worked hard at, at not just a headline, but obviously the headline is the first place that people interact. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important to even on like the email subject line for the for the emails I get from you, like, you know, there's there's always that like first instinct response, like anger, humor, uh, sadness, you know, all these different things. I read when you first merged that you were merging newsroom. So we're talking about all this content on Upworthy, all this content on Good. So is that true that the newsrooms were merged? And how has that helped you, if so, um, to sort of expand your reach and better combine resources? Uh, the whole company was merged. And so um, that meant newsrooms, that meant business operations, that meant marketing, meant the whole thing. So we worked hard to identify where we can learn from one another, where we have different strengths, where we have different weaknesses, and how to really balance the two. I'm sure it's been all roses and sunshine and unicorns merging two companies <laughs> together. What would you say, though, has been the most challenging part of bringing two different companies together over the past year? You've got pretty much, what, is it about a year now we're at? We first started the conversations about a year ago, but we really weren't fully merged for about, it's only really been about six months. No challenges. It's been all roses and puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Hearts and unicorns. Yes. Um, I think the hardest part is just actually just the day-to-day -day culture. Upworthy was a um, completely distributed organization and Good was one that had an office in LA. And so figuring out how to combine those two cultures was definitely um, a challenge and we still face challenges today because of it. But the thing that I think helps us get past it is because both of these companies are really mission driven businesses with there's a sense of shared values that I think has really helped us 
um, stick it out through the challenges. Are, are you folks still uh, separated by all those miles, one office in New York and one in California, or have you brought the two together? We have um, our headquarters are currently in L.A. and we have a hub in New York. But yep. we also have people that work around um, all over the country. So a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Let's talk about some of the puppies and rainbows then. And we talked a little bit about some of the challenges. But what would you say personally? Because how long had you been with Upworthy before this merger happened? About two years. Okay, so not a super, super long time. But for you personally, what would you say are some of the biggest benefits that you've seen as a result of the merger? Like what makes your day easier having good as a partner um, and just moving forward with clients? I think the um, the business side really has seen really amazing benefits from it. Bringing together the consultancy um, skills and the media skills have been a really nice boost, I think, to both sides of the business. And just on a personal level, too, learning from colleagues who who do similar yet really different things, you know, you don't usually get that opportunity at this point in your career. Mm-hmm. And I've been really fortunate uh, to have that experience. So what's a what's a typical client that good would work with? Um, you know, and, and we've actually been exposed to a couple of them, like I think Dick Sporting Goods at, um, at the forum oh, yeah. one time, uh, Megan, right? But, you know, what type of clients are they working with? Just to be clear, are you asking about us as a whole company, Good Media Group, or are you asking specifically about Good versus Upworthy? Yeah, it's it's actually, you know, one of the things I'm curious, too, is, you know, based on your description, too, of how the uh, how Good Magazine is different from Upworthy, do you work with different clients in that area, or is there opportunity for overlap between the two? I'll, I'll try to answer both of those questions yeah. in one, if I can. Let me okay. know if I go astray. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of similarities between the kinds of businesses that we work with to, uh, um, across both companies, across the whole company for both media companies. There's a couple of key differences. One is the audience that we attract. So Upworthy um, attracts a slightly um, older audience. Uh, good attracts a slightly more affluent audience. Um Upworthy attracts a more geographically diverse audience, good attracts slightly more um, urban center types. But then sometimes we work with organizations and brands on strategy, and sometimes we work with them on branded content. So depending on what they're looking for, that's how we kind of figure out and define where we might, um, which team might partner. So for example, we might work with... um, we work with, on the Upworthy side, we have a big partnership with L'Oreal and their Dermaboyne product, for example. And it's been a really fun and interesting campaign because it's one of our first that's real product placement, which we don't typically do. But we found this really engaging way to tell the story about makeup that has delivered millions and millions and millions of views, way more so than I think we ever would have guessed because we worked hard to find that kind of authentic intersection between the consumer, the product, and our audience. Um, but then we also might work with uh, you know, Google on a series of um, events around the country um, called GoodFest. And so there's like a real cross-section in the kinds of projects and products that we offer 
for brands. With the L'Oreal engagement, was that something that was focused specifically around a good cause or what specifically was that engagement? So the idea was really how do we take makeup and show that it can be empowering as opposed to sort of a should Mm -hmm. that society says women have to wear makeup. Mm -hmm. And we told a few, we have a few different videos that tell stories about women who use this product, everything from um, to cover tattoos because people make certain assumptions about you when you have tattoos or um, a girl who had terrible acne and she used it and it gave her tremendous confidence. Um, Oh shoot. I'm forgetting the name of that disease. There's a woman who has, um, the disease that you lose pigmentation in your skin. Vitiligo? Yes. Thank wow. you. <laughs> You're Good welcome. Good job, Megan. Well done. <laughs> um, and so we, we, we found ways to show the product as um, empowering and giving people confidence as opposed to what makeup typically is uh, seen as is like a societal must or should mm-hmm. in order to fit in. You know, I watched um, I watched the video of the woman who covered up her tattoos mm. with the makeup. It was mm. amazing. Wasn't it? Not, it was, to, I mean, she was. But you know what the thing is with her, too? Like she was you could tell she was really skilled on putting it on, you know, because she had obviously done it before. But Megan, this woman was covered with tattoos all over her arms, up to her neck and wow. stuff like that. And she she put this stuff on and looking at her. You wouldn't even know she had it. Well, you know, it reminds yeah. me it reminds me a little bit of the Care 2 model, Joe. And I'm sure you're familiar with them too, Jen. But, you know, the way that they engage with brands is all about... They don't do traditional banner ads or whatever on Care 2. It's all about right. engaging with yeah. issues that people care about on Care 2. That's why people are on Care 2. So it, it reminds yeah. me a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we know this too. The best type of branded content is that doesn't it doesn't seem sponsored. It doesn't yeah. seem branded. It's just exactly. good content. Something somebody would want to engage with. And that's the what. thing. You know, because it was interesting, Jen, as someone who's familiar with that too, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this and I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And then it clicks for me, you know, as someone who's familiar with that space, like, ah, oh, I get it. I get it here. This is a, a piece of branded content, you know, but it was done so well and it pulled me in. And that, you know, I was like, wow, this is they've done an incredible job with that. Are you going to buy L'Oreal makeup now? Joe? I think so, too. I've, right now I have it on now. I covered my whole body with it. <laughs> do you have tattoos on your face? <laughs> he should. I do. Now I don't. He now did this I morning. Not now. You know? That's right. That's right. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, you raise a really good point, which is it's it's surprising how many brands still think they need to focus on clicks, yep. showing the product. Yes. Mm-hmm. In order to sell yeah. the product. Yeah. And it's just not how consumers interact with brands anymore. Right. And the more that they brands allow us to really find the right way to tell the story, a story that consumers really want to hear, the more likely they are to actually deliver brand lift and memorability yeah. and intent to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. But, the, you know, the truth is, let's face it, too, Jen, they are so stuck on advertising still. Mm-hmm. I mean, the money that has spent on advertising, you know, and I, I've been really impressed this year, though, the number of brands that are even just saying no to Super Bowl advertising. You know, Kind Boz has already said what they were planning to spend like six million dollars or something like that on Super Bowl advertising. Instead, they're going to give away free product. Uh, which certainly won't cost them $6 million. But, you know, we're finding, I think, all these different ways that brands can execute on their marketing goals without like the push advertising that a lot of us 
kind of see every day and just turn off when we see. Yeah, I think consumers are just asking for different kinds of expectations from their brands. And I think that's also why you're seeing much more experiential marketing taking, you know, growing and expanding. I think people are looking for other ways to connect to consumers to give more of a 360 and a much more engaging experience versus what we're used to, which is the one-way communication. No, I agree. How big, with branded content, with sponsored content, how big, uh, how important is that to the business model of Upworthy in terms of you folks being successful? Is that something that you folks really want to develop uh, with brands or is that just one tool that you're using? It's the biggest tool that we're using, but we do have others. But branded content um, is sort of sits right in our sweet spot because we use the data and analytics that we've built over the years on how to tell a good story on social media. And many of the teams that developed the branded content were formally on the editorial side. So they really understand what makes a good Hmm. story. So when you bring that together and deliver it, it to brands and branded content, you have the chance to tell a story and that in a way that can, you know, turn out to 16 million views or 20 million views for a thing, a thing that, you know, I wouldn't typically want to watch a commercial about, but because we're able to, to use branded content and tell it in, in these stories in such engaging ways, um, it's really a game changer for us and for brands. Do you have a lot of clients that are, let's say, good clients that are also using that branded content on Upworthy? And do you see that growing in the future? Yeah, I surely see it growing in the future. Some of it is about depending on what the client is looking for. Sometimes they want branded content. Sometimes they just want strategy or program design or research. Um, Not all brands come to a really a, you know, a publisher and consultancy all in one. It's a little bit unique in some ways. Um, But yeah, I think if all goes well, that actually continues to grow over time. So we can help provide the strategy as well as provide the um, branded content on the audience. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great stuff. And I mean, it's good that you two, the two organizations, it seems like, you know, there's there are always challenges, but it seems like you you two have kind of melded together. I mean, I mentioned in the beginning um, in the uh, of the call that we know Grant Garrison because he's been out to the Engage for Good Forum and he's really tall. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, it's good that you guys are getting along. I know. Could you imagine he towers over? I know, but but I have I have I have no doubt, Jen. As a New Yorker, you would totally kick his ass. All right. I'm not just a New Yorker. I'm born and bred oh. in Queens. Yeah. So I mean, Grant is a you know Grant. He's a nice guy, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, but he's gonna do it. You know, he's gonna have a cocktail in the in his hands when he's taking on Jenna, and he's not gonna be ready for Jenna. So, so I hope things. What I'm trying to say is, I'm hoping things still go smoothly. Or the next time we see Grant, he could be missing a foot. I don't know. Maybe more. I promise not to take him out of the knees. I swear. That's awesome, Jen. Thank you so so much for coming on and talking about this exciting merger. If people want to find out more about you or Good Media Group or Upworthy, how might they do that online? You could find me directly um, on Twitter. I'm at Jen Lindy. That's Jen with two N's. Um, you could find us on Upworthy.com. You could find us at Good.is, and then our parent company is GoodMediaGroup.com. So you get to pick. 
Awesome. And we'll include all of those links in the show notes, which people can find where, Joe, for you? Well, uh, first of all, they can find me on Twitter, talking to Jen Lindy now, uh, at Joe Waters. Uh, make sure to visit SelfishGiving.com. Sign up for my newsletter. It goes out every Wednesday morning. And check out all those pins on Pinterest, Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. I am proud that I am one of only three men on Pinterest. <laughs> Megan... <laughs> Where can people find you besides Pinterest? I'm not on Pinterest. Well, I'm not very often anyway. I am on Twitter, though, at Megan Strand. And I also tweet for Engage for Good at Engage for Good, which is also where you can find show notes for today's episode, engageforgood.com, as well as selfishgiving.com, as Joe just mentioned. And of course, while you're online, please subscribe to Cause Talk Radio in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts so that you do not miss an episode. And on behalf of Jen and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio and we'll talk to you next time. 